Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, you guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. This week, we have a really fun guest to talk about something that I know is near and dear to all of our hearts. Probably every January, we all start thinking about like, how do we cut down on the budget side a little bit? How do we squeeze a little bit more out of it? Um, But especially this January with inflation high, the grocery prices are just phenomenally high. I am so uh, blown away by that. But then all the other things that are going on in the world that make us all kind of realize we need to get a little bit better. We need to buckle down. We need to start making a little better use of every bit of resource that we have. Um, And in case, right? I'm not going to say in case what, because who knows, and there's no big predictions, but I think a lot of us are feeling that. So today we're talking with Tiffany from Don't Waste the Crumbs to talk about how to get the most out of our grocery budget, how to, you know, really squeeze those dollars. (laughs) And I'm excited about this because this is a topic that for me is really near and dear to my heart with so many kids in the house such a big household, we've had moments where we have had an income of zero, you know, like in between jobs or in between moves. And we've had to just make the most out of everything. So this is going to be a fun chat. So thank you guys for joining us today. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. This is is going to be a good discussion. I'm excited about this. It is. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so just uh, introduce yourself really quickly for everybody. Tell us a little bit about your story and where you started to um, get to a place where you're talking about this so regularly, uh, you know, and teaching a lot of teaching on how to do exactly this. Um, How did you, where did you start? How did you get here? Yeah, so the whole thing started, um, I would say about 13 years ago. Um, Baby number two was born and my husband and I had mounds and mounds and mounds of debt. And we had this really audacious goal to pay it all off and one day pay cash for a house. Um, So we sat down, looked at our budget and there's a lot of things in your budget that aren't, um, you can't really change. Like you can't really change your mortgage. You can't change car insurance. I mean, aside from shopping around, but once you do that, it's not really flexible. And then we realized that the grocery budget was immensely flexible. You could spend a lot or you could spend a little. And so we resolved ourselves to refining our grocery budget so that we could save more every month. Mm. Well, of course, when you're in this money-saving mode, you come up with these really random (laughs) ideas and ways to save. And I was sharing these ideas with my friends and with my family. And they're like, you should start a blog. Fast forward, I did. After much hesitation, I started a blog, just documented everything that we were doing. 
And it just kind of took off from there. So we're looking at, I started my blog in 2012. So we're coming up on the 11 year anniversary. And um, I think what I've learned most is that there's never really an ending point. You just keep going and you keep trying and you keep refining and you keep honing your skills. Um, And as you mentioned, like the what if, you never know, you know, got new babies, there's job losses, there's financial hits, there's moving, you know, and as we get older, we're taking care of um, other family members, perhaps they're moving back in. So the grocery budget is just a really great way to save a lot of money while feeding your family well. And that's something that I really like about what you do is a lot of times when we start talking about cutting back the grocery budget, we start talking about, you know, extreme couponing or, uh, you know, following the sales flyers, which can work. But a lot of times when I have looked at those options, I go, everything on the sales flyer is like boxed cake mix Mm -hmm. or sodas or donuts or things that I'm just not going to buy. I don't care how cheap they are. They don't qualify as food in my house. Um, But you really have a whole food journey wrapped up in that also where you are, you're you're doing this, but with real food. Yeah. Well, when we first started, I'll admit it wasn't real food. We, we didn't, we didn't know real food. Like there was a thing about that. I thought I grew up eating canned soup and frozen waffles. That's just what I, what I knew. My husband grew up on five acres and his dad had a big garden. So one day he was like, Hey, do you think we can eat more real food? And I'm like, well, I'm touching it. It's real. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, no. I mean like actual carrots, like the food that comes from the ground. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, in the midst of baby number two and diapers and paying off debt. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll see what I can do, which is this, which is the wife code for like, that's probably not going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because I look at the numbers. Um, and so it took a lot of effort, but yeah, I realized that you can slowly, because this is not by any means an overnight transition um, or transformation, I should say, you can go from the standard American diet of boxed and processed and just add water to a whole foods-based diet. And you can do it on the, on a budget. You just need a system right. and, and you've got to know how to plan. Yeah. And I, I uh, had this great experience with Josh just, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, we ended up at a restaurant for an event where they were feeding us foods from around Italy, but some of the foods were very peasant based. That's what they called them. Peasant, a peasant dish. And it kind of blew my mind in some ways because I feel like I've struggled to make these two things intersect in a lot of places like real food, healthy, nutrient dense food that's really building healthy bodies mm-hmm. and, um, you know, keeping the budget within control and not spending huge amounts of money. Uh And yet here they served this meal that was this whole grain, very homemade type bread. And it was soaked in a 16 hour cooked bone broth. Mm. And it was, it made the soup um, as it sucked it all up, but it was more like a casserole and it was phenomenally good. And I thought this is kind of the heart of like real food in a peasant style, that's like, it's cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. money. 
most of that was from, you know, the waste products of something else, a little bit of flour, you know, the bones that are left over. And so it is very doable, but I think we have to dig a lot deeper than the information that is kind of on the surface level when you get into the budgeting side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I found that if I'm creative, I think I can actually do better with real foods budget wise now that I'm a long way into the journey and kind of figured out some of these tricks than I can with the grocery store junk cheap foods. Oh yeah. Budget. Do you agree with that? Well, 100%. I would almost say that um, real food are ingredients and ingredients is what becomes meals and you use ingredients for recipes. When you buy let's say like a box of cake mix. Now I know you can go on the internet and Google and Pinterest and be like, you know, add a can of seven up and it becomes like, whatever. I don't even know. It becomes science experiment pretty much. <laughs> but, but like your options are so much more limited. Rather, if you started with a flower that works with your, like your goals, especially if you have allergies, like that's going to be limiting, throw that into the budget. And that's a whole, that's a whole nother, you know, story another day. But, um, you just only need some flour and some leavening and some sweetener. And like, that is your box of cake mix. But at the same time, if you have those ingredients, you can do breads, you can do biscuits, you can do pasta, like you can make all the things. So yeah, absolutely. Real food if to me essentially is the ingredients for everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Now you kind of referred to this and I think you're so right on on this is that that the transition from kind of the store-bought, and I don't want to say store-bought because you can buy store-bought, you can buy mm-hmm. real food at the store. So yes. I don't want to draw this line, but I guess it's more this conventional way of eating cheap foods. Like, I don't know if there's a term for that. Um, a standard American diet maybe is what we would call that around here. Yeah, or processed, prepackaged. There you go. That That's the better way to go. Um but that transition from that processed food and that prepackaged food over to this real food, it takes a plan. And living on real food takes a plan because real food kind of by definition is often slow food. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. fast food. It I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> It doesn't mean it has to take you all day in the kitchen. It doesn't mean you're stuck as a slave in the kitchen all day. But what it does take is a lot of pre-planning and Mm -hmm. like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to have this. So I have to make sure that I've done these steps today so that I'm ready for that. And Mm -hmm. that's something that this processed food, um, you know, that we're so used to has really uh, untrained us from doing this. And so how do you approach that? Like, what's your number one tool for, and maybe I'm trying to lead on here to meal planning. So instead of putting you in an (laughs) organization, um, I know for me, it's meal planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, meal meal planning is huge. Like if we didn't meal plan (laughs) without, you know, with risking sounding a little bit dramatic, like everything would fall apart because (laughs) No one, I, I wouldn't know what's for dinner. So when I got little ones asking me and a husband, what's for dinner, what's for dinner? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then I'm going to be stressed. The budget's going to be through the roof because I'm just buying on a whim and I'm g- not really going to be here being productive. I'm going to be out filling my grocery cart with things because I didn't have a plan. It's very whimsical. And I think a lot of people struggle with meal planning because of that. They feel like they're put into a box. Oh, I don't want to be told what I have to eat on a certain day. And, um, and that's where I just think meal planning 
has a bad rep where if, if people understood how you can make meal planning work with you instead of like you fitting into the meal planning box, it's making meal planning work with your life. You really can reap the benefits um, like a hundredfold. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I had this experience this week, Josh is traveling and, you know, sometimes when Josh is traveling, the whole schedule around the house gets a little off and a little lax, maybe compared oh, yeah. to what- here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's take it easy. He's gone, you know? Um, and so usually I wake up Monday morning and my routine is after I've done all my regular morning personal care stuff that I go and I take my little household notebook And I go to my pantry and I go to where the root cellar stuff is and I go to the freezers um, because, you know, we're not we're not shopping at the grocery store. We're shopping all the things that we've brought in all season here at our place. Mm -hmm. And I look at, okay, what needs to get used? And then I sit down and I meal plan for the whole week. So this week on Monday, because we're a little loosey goosey with the schedule, I um, I didn't do that. Let me tell you, it is an eye opener <laughs> how much chaos and how stressful that is when you're used to that schedule. Everybody can look at my sheet that I have. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows exactly what every meal is. So if somebody's like, oh, you know, the, the dinner person is, hey, I just got invited to this thing. Can I go? The next person can look at the sheet and be like, oh, yeah, I've got this. I can make this meal. And it's not dependent on my creativity at 5 p.m. on an over busy day already mm-hmm. when I'm like, what can I make fast? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and now that's where I am. And I'm like, this is so not worth taking the, you know, like if everything else goes away, I have to still meal plan because it yeah. just keeps the house running. Well, it, I mean, you can make a meal plan for the week or I can in about 15 minutes. Yeah. It doesn't take that long. But when you don't have that, and now every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner, especially when you spend a lot of time at home and you're homeschooling, so you're at home a lot, it's, you go into that panic mode. It's been referred to often as like that four o'clock panic mode. What's for dinner? But that happens every meal, every day. And so you spend a good chunk of your day panicking and worrying and then this like kind of freaking out where you just made your meal plan, it eliminates all of that. And then, like you said, you put your meal plan in a place where everybody can see it. And as your kids get older and your spouse, when they're home, can they can like pitch in like, hey, we're having this for dinner. Can I get something started for you? I have some free time or even you. Hey, so and so come in here real quick. Just watch this. Don't don't let it burn. <laughs> I'll be right back. And it becomes a team effort rather than it solely falling on your shoulders and you're, while you're panicking, like you said, after a long day of stress, trying to now make all these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that allows for a little bit more creativity, actually, mm-hmm. and for me, because I'm definitely one of those people, don't box me in too tight. Like if I start getting a schedule that's based on the clock, I, I get a little like claustrophobic feeling, like <laughs> breathe really clearly, you know, <laughs> take deep breaths. It's okay. We can handle the clock. Um, but I found that the meal plan actually gives me a lot of freedom and a yes. lot of creativity. Yes. And I do use it as a tool, not as my boss, right? Mm-hmm. So I use it. There are days where we throw out the meal plan mm-hmm. because I get a wild hair and I'm like, you know what? Let's just make this thing that I love. We have the extra time. Let's do it, you know? Absolutely. But most of the time, 
it's this like comforting thing to know, okay, hey, I know what's for dinner. How can I upgrade that? Like, how can I not just make basic spaghetti, but how can I really go to the garden and get the most out of my garden and put all these amazing flavors in and let's do extra on the salad. And, oh, wouldn't that be great to have a fresh loaf of bread that goes along with it? So, you know, a lot of times I'm looking at on the day of where my energy level is, where my creativity level is, what I have left at the end of the day to put into a meal or what a lot of times the girls are cooking now. I've got quite a few older girls. Even the guys are coming into the kitchen and doing a bit of cooking. And, um, you know, where we're at as a family, do we have a lot of time to put into dinner tonight? Or do, is it just one of those, like, we just got to get it done, sit down and eat. Mm -hmm. And that just allows this flexibility to come mm -hmm. in. That I really like without the scramble. <laughs> without the yeah. scramble. Well, you've eliminated the decisions. Decision yeah. fatigue is an actual thing. And when you don't have a meal plan, you're not having to make a million decisions in a short amount of time. And like you said, even when you have a meal plan, it doesn't, you don't have to be boxed in by it, but you also don't have to decide on what's for dinner. You get to pull that out. Like you mentioned, how can I do this? What else can I add? It becomes more of a fun thing. You start to look forward to and an act of service towards your family of cooking them a good, well-balanced, you know, nutritional meal rather than um, like a chore of, oh, I've got to do this and get in bed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that I found for budgeting in our household that has really helped me is not keeping too much food in the refrigerator. I don't know if okay. it's true for anybody else, but it feels like sometimes I get so much food in the refrigerator that I can't actually see what's in there. And so I start losing pieces and that's when, you know, the cilantro goes bad in the fridge drawer or the, this kind of got lost and we forgot about it. Um, and this is one of those places that I feel like is answered by meal planning mm -hmm. is um, I can make sure I just have what I need for that meal. Now I've got a lot of food all over the place, but it's in a lot more stable condition, like, mm -hmm. you know, on the pantry shelf or in the freezer or freeze dried or something like that. Um, so it's in a lot more stable condition than the food that's in the refrigerator. That's kind of like, you know, working its way towards bad if I don't use it. Um, and this is one place that just the meal planning just has really shined for me on the budget. Uh, do you have any tips like that where you're like, this is, the thing that has really helped us save money that meal planning helps. I'm putting you on the spot again. I'm yeah, just no, it's all good. <laughs> well, so at first when you said you don't keep much food in your fridge, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> but then you went on to say, because things are getting lost. And I was like, actually, yes. So keeping food waste to an absolute, like, honestly, it's, it needs to be zero. Food waste should be zero to help your budget. That would be the one key I would pass on to your listeners. It's, um, and by doing that, you can keep your fridge at a minimum to a low. So when, when I go shopping, I'm looking, obviously there, there's good deals. I don't have a very big garden. Like we just moved to a rural area. I've grown up in the suburbs. So um, our lifestyles are a little bit different. So for us, I'm getting a lot of my food from the grocery store still. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but because I don't have a garden to choose from, because I don't have a, a big pantry of dried or dehydrated items. When I make my shopping list, I'm very particular about shopping everything at home first, which would definitely include 
the refrigerator. And so the first things that go on the meal plan are the things that have to get used up. And I am, I am probably in the refrigerator more often than I'm in my own closet. I am in there all the time because you're, you're moving things around. What's hiding back there? What's, what, what is that? (laughs) Um, Just, I've just found over the years that the more control or I should say more organized, I can keep that fridge and, and yes, kind of keep it under control and not explode. um, The more money we save and that does roll into things like taking advantage of good deals and even harvesting. You want to find that, that balance of like, yeah, this is a good deal, but how much are you actually going to eat? And if you're not going to eat it, what's your plan B? And I do teach all of those things. So I'm not, I'm not trying to tangent here, but it's um, like, it all just kind of goes hand in hand. I feel like meal planning isn't linear. It's not like it's this, 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 and then start over. It's more like it's all of this. And it's, and everything you do is, is connected and everything can have a really huge impact. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think it has to be like, can we create a term that's informed meal planning? Mm -hmm. Sure. Go gather the information first about what you need to use. And that may be going to the refrigerator and taking a critical look at it. Um, It may be going like for me, I'm often going to the root cellar area of the basement and looking at like, oh, those potatoes or those beets are starting to get a little wilty. What are we going to do with those? Yeah. Um, but it's not just this idea that we're going to sit down and say, hey, you know, tomorrow night, this is what I want. And the next night, that's what I want. We want to do it with a little bit more of an informed fashion. And that may even be looking at that sales flyer or taking advantage. That may be the information that we're gathering is like, mm-hmm. what is it that needs to be used right now from the grocery store, you know, instead of yeah. from the retailer? Yeah, so, I think at least the word strategic. strategic. It's like being intentional, like, yeah, like you just said, you sure, you can go to Pinterest and you can pick out whatever meal you want. But if you haphazardly assign it to a day, I can almost guarantee your meal plan is going to fail. <laughs> And you also don't reap the benefits of meal planning because meal planning does save you time. It does save you money. But if you don't do it in that strategic, intentional way, you end up with this burden of a seven course meal on a day where you're trying to shuffle kids from cheer to basketball. And you have like, you have this teeny tiny little window and then you're like, well, that's not going to happen. So drive through. And that just doesn't, that doesn't meet any of our food goals and it doesn't meet our budget goals either. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're meal planning, do you plan just for dinner or how do you like, do you do, do you get as granular as snacks or what's your method for that? Yeah. So when my kids were little, my kids are 13 and 14. When they were little, I did plan for snacks and snacks were oftentimes, um, I guess mini meals, so to speak. It would be like if we're having carrots for lunch, then carrots would be a snack as well. Or, uh, you know, back in the day where toddlers take one bite of a banana and then they walk away. So, well, now that other half of the banana becomes a snack. So it was very loosely outlined um, and it could kind of tailor it to whatever I happened to have in the pantry and in the fridge. Nowadays, my favorite system is I really like to plan for dinners. And I believe that if you have a solid plan for dinner, breakfast and lunches and snacks and dessert, if you want to, can be an outflow of that. Because going back to the food waste, 
leftovers is a big is a big deal. If you don't eat your leftovers and you're cooking every night, you're going to end up with a fridge full of containers that will get thrown away because you're not eating them. So um, by planning dinners and including a leftover night or even being intentional with your leftovers and saying, this is going to become a lunch, like that gets part of the peel, the meal plan. You don't have to, um, I mean, <laughs> that just escaped me. <laughs> you don't have to be super granular and write down exactly what meal you want for breakfast and what meal you want for lunch. Um, you can be flexible in it where you mentioned your meal plan is a tool for you. You're not a slave to your meal plan, but I like to have my dinners planned out. And then I like to have ideas for breakfast and ideas for lunch. And I usually pick three a week and I get the kids input there too, as well as my husband. So if they're, um, if my kids are like, you know, Hey, can we have you know waffles this week? Well, then on Saturday morning before the week begins, I'll make a ton of waffles save some for the week and then put the rest in the freezer so that on a future week and the request for waffles comes back, I'm not at the back and call of making waffles again. And that becomes just part of rotation. And the same thing for lunch. Leftovers is always top of the list, but if there is no leftovers, I can pull bread from the freezer. I can, uh, we can make some pasta dish or whatever. We can make a rice dish. We can come up with something. Yeah. I, I like that. That's, Kind of, I mean, that's loosely how we approach it. Also, I uh, lunch for us is always leftovers. Um, if we don't have leftovers, which happens sometimes, sometimes everybody all of a sudden is eating more, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, the season changes and the activity level changes or people have a growth spurt or whatever it is. And uh, so occasionally we'll hit these moments where it's like there are no leftovers in the house. Um we have two backup meals that we go to and one is rice and beans, mm-hmm. which I am very grateful. My children love, they get excited when it's announced. <laughs> I think, I think I just hit the lottery. on that. Um, but so it's either rice and beans and then we'll throw in whatever goodies that we have, whether it's a fresh salsa sitting around or a little bit of cheese or some veggies, whatever it is, we'll just top it with that. Uh, The other is what we like to call a peasant meal, which is pretty much just a board of fermented, pickled, maybe a little salami and cheese. And so we'll keep a little bit of meat set aside in the fridge just to be able to have that type of a meal on a moment's notice. Um, But those are kind of the two backups for if uh, the leftover idea doesn't work out. For me, I had to realize at some point I had this aha moment which said, Breakfast was a nightmare. And <laughs> always waiting for breakfast. It was always behind. It was always frustrating. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole day would get home if the morning didn't start off right. And so, um, so I just had to decide, instead of putting this weight of myself, like, I really need to get up earlier and do breakfast. I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. I'm not this person. So I think this was the this problem that I was having. And as soon as I realized that and said, okay, instead of uh, just getting upset with myself and trying to do better, let's mm-hmm. work with it. Yeah. And so I started making all make ahead breakfast casseroles. Mm-hmm. Every single week, I, I'm sorry for those of you guys who this is just sounds like a nightmare for, but every single week for the last maybe five years, we have had the exact same breakfasts on the <laughs> on the table we can change the toppings we can change you know whatever but we'll either have Mm -hmm. a baked oatmeal a french toast casserole 
sometimes regular oatmeal, uh, sometimes a pumpkin custard. Like we've got all these meals that we have kind of developed out and it's somebody's job the day before to make them. It's a, it's a chore on the official chore list. And that has changed our morning. So now we kind of have this, I guess this would be like the static meal plan. It just stays mm-hmm. the same. It is what it is. Weekend mornings, we mix it up. And a lot of times the kids are like, hey, can I make such and such? Or can I do this? And the answer is always yes, <laughs> because I don't want to make breakfast. I know that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it, there is a lot of flexibility there within the idea of the meal planning, even with that, like they don't all have to be freshly planned and they don't have to depend on your creativity at you know, 7 a.m. in the morning when you haven't even had your first cup of coffee and the baby maybe didn't sleep the night before. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, so I'll ask the kids for requests, but mine mentioned I bake a lot of them. That goes across the board for muffins, for quick breads. We have something similar. It's like mm, maybe five to six things that we eat on a rotation. And it's not a planned rotation. It's just, it's a combination between what are you in the mood for and what do we have? Right. And a lot of times it's, oh, I'm in the mood for waffles. I'm like, well, we don't have waffles. We have banana bread. So banana bread it is. But I'll bake a lot and I'll put it up for later. And it kind of gets me out of breakfast duty in the long run. But like you, so if it's banana, if it's, let's say it's a quick bread. In the winter, it could be pumpkin. It could be a squash. It could be peanut butter chocolate chip. In the spring, in the summer, it'll be strawberries and blueberries. So it's very seasonal and the, the recipes don't change. And it's to the point where my kids as well, I'm like, Hey, get those bananas, make up some bread. And we're just going to stick it in the freezer for later. And um, it becomes a surprise when we take it out of the freezer. Oh, what, what kind of bread is it? You know, I, I know what it is because I've labeled it, but um, you know, sometimes we'll mix in chips or we'll mix in like a swirl of something and you don't know until you slice it. And it's just, I don't know, it's just something fun. And it's, it's like building in variety while still doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. That, that I think is really important for, you know, there's just, there's so many decisions all day long and oh, you yeah. talk about the decision fatigue, but it's a really true thing. There are so many decisions all day long and anywhere where you can lighten that load on your oh, yeah. brain <laughs> is, is a place where you have some room to be creative somewhere else. And mm-hmm else. So I think that is wonderful. So when we're thinking about budgeting, walk us through how you would approach meal planning. I mean, are you going to do a month of meal planning? Are you going to do a week? How, what's your process for like sitting down and getting it done? Sure. So regardless of how long you plan, the system is the same. You always start with the family calendar. You have to figure out what's going on in the family before you can decide what you're going to cook because how much time you have determines what you put on the meal plan. We talked about, I just mentioned the seven course meal and like this itty bitty time frame, and, and that's not going to work. So it always starts with the family calendar and then it starts with what you have on hand. And then it gets supplemented with what's at the store or the grocery market or your local farmers. And then a couple checks, like, is this seasonal? Like going back through, did I pick everything that was seasonal? And then also, did the meals I chose line up with my financial goals? If your financial goals are, we need to save a lot of money, then you're not going to put things like nice T-bone steaks on your meal plan that often because they don't align. Like you're going to have a whole lot more rice and beans and very simple and not, and still delicious and still nourishing, but just simple foods with inexpensive ingredients. 
Now, when we were paying off our debt, we had, uh, to quote Dave Ramsey, we were in this gazelle-like intense focus. And we meal planned for a month at a time. That was based on our paychecks. We were paid every other week. So when we got paid, I did four weeks. And then we get paid again. And I had like a little supplemental for like uh, dairy and fresh produce or um, if something had changed in the meantime, since I first made the meal plan and I had to pivot a little bit. Now we are in a one week method, kind of a mode of meal planning. I've also found that because I'm a food blogger, it is almost contradictory to plan long-term while trying to be creative. So I incorporate a couple days where I'm like, I'm going to experiment today. I've been really wanting to try this new one and balance that out with like, you know, it's burger night and it's pizza night and it's taco night, those types of, of things. So I would say determine what your goal is and work from there. And if you're new to meal planning, please don't jump in and do a month at a time. That is, that is not a beginner skill. Um, and it's okay to be a beginner. Everybody was a beginner at one point. The true heart of meal planning is simply writing down what you're going to eat. Most people know what they're going to have for lunch, about an idea of what you're going to have for dinner and at any moment of the day. Um, so just putting that on paper and kind of rounding it out. So let's say like, okay, today we're going to have sandwiches for lunch. Okay. Well, what kind of sandwich are you going to put fruit with that? Are you going to put, you know, some pretzels with that? What are you, what are you thinking? And then for dinner, if you're like, oh, I really want chicken. Okay, great. Put chicken on the meal plan. Just make sure you have time to cook it. And then what else, what else are you going to serve with your chicken? And I just, I think, you know, when someone who hasn't been meal planning before approaches it and they think they've got to do all the things, all the meals, all the snacks for a whole month at a time, that is a recipe for overwhelm and burnout. So I would say aim for just two to three days and just write down what you're eating. And then when you've done that, you do it again and you do it again and again. Meal planning is a skill. It's a lot like riding your bike. The first time you learn how to do it, you're falling off like crazy. And that's expected. But once you learn how to ride a bike, you don't ever unlearn. Like I'm in my forties. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've ridden a bike, but I have no doubt that I could go ride one. If, if my kid was like, Hey mom, let's go for a bike ride. I'm, I haven't lost that skill. And meal planning is the same. Once you have done it and you've practiced it and you kind of got your head around it, um, you can't unlearn it. And then you can also dive deeper into, well, what does four weeks look like for my family? What does um, a rotational meal plan look like where it's almost, I, I, I've had a student who made a meal plan for baseball season. She called it her baseball season meal plan. She said between practices and games and being on the road, plus her other kids and family commitments, she was like, I literally, like, <laughs> she did it for a season. She loved it so much. She just I was like, this is what I'm doing every year. And then I've had students who do it based on the seasons. They have a summer meal plan. They have a fall meal plan. So if you're out in the garden, like if you know you're going to be out in the garden planting or harvesting, or you're going to be busy in the kitchen, kitchen putting up what you have harvested, you, it's, it's not the end of the world to make a meal plan for a couple of weeks and then reuse that for a couple of weeks. But again, all that is very advanced. When you're just starting out, it's two to three days till you get the hang of it and then repeat, repeat and repeat. And then when you feel comfortable, you're like, okay, let's aim for four days. Let's aim for five. 
That's great. So when you're talking about the strategic side of it, Mm -hmm. and you get to a place where you're ready to start, let's say, bringing in some other resources of knowledge, of information, what is it? Do you pull the sales flyers from the grocery store or Mm -hmm. do you coupon or what is it that you do personally to make that work? Sure. So I don't I don't want to say I coupon per se. I used to coupon. I used to be, I would have classified myself as, um, what's, oh, what's the word? Extreme, extreme couponer. Um, I don't do that much anymore. If my grocery store has digital coupons linked to my card, I clip them because mm-hmm. I would be silly not to, but I don't go out of my way looking for coupons. Instead, strategically speaking, again, family calendar, what you already have, that's huge. Um, my personal recommendation is 50% of what you eat should come from what you already have, depending on where you live. Like if you're a homesteader or you're a farmer, that's probably going to be a bigger percentage. If you're more, um, suburban, you know, you, you might be in that, that 40%, especially if you have a small kitchen, you have small storage. I like to aim for 50 and then supplement with what's on sale. So you'll go to the sales circular and instead of coupons, I know what the rock bottom price is for the things I buy most often. And if you're not sure what you buy most often, think about what you eat a lot of. Do you eat a lot of chicken? Do you eat a lot of rice? Do you eat a lot of butter, right? We want to think pantry too, not just um, what we see on our plate, but the ingredients we use to create what's on our plate. And if you can get the best price possible on the ingredients you buy most often on the food you consume most often, that will equate to 80% of your grocery budget. It's that 80-20 rule. We focus on a little bit, but that little bit is what yields the most savings. So when we first switched from processed food to real food, um, I really, really wanted to keep couponing. (laughs) I enjoyed it. There was a little bit of a thrill from it, but then I started realizing that there's just not very many coupons for the food we are wanting to eat. You know, every now and then Kroger will send me a coupon for carrots. I'm like over the moon, but they only send it to me because I bought carrots from them in the past. So it's not couponing is not a good strategy when you're aiming to eat whole foods. A much better strategy is to know what things cost um, so that when you see them on sale at a better price, you buy a little bit extra and you're not paying full price all the time. Yeah, that sounds really reasonable. I think there's an element of just like we're talking about the uh, the freedom of mm-hmm. planning, right? Because it frees you up from making all those decisions. Mm-hmm. The the uh, work of the couponing is it's a job. It yeah. is keeping track of all those things. <laughs> Absolutely, <a> job. <laughs> So being able to free yourself a little bit from that, but I found the same thing, you know, the amount of times that just a good solid bag of organic beans goes on sale, it's not very often compared to, you know, the, the things that I'm just not going to buy the processed foods. Mm-hmm. So it uh, becomes better to do exactly what you're talking about and know the base price. And if you have the time to put into the job side, it might be better to know the base price at your multiple local sources of mm-hmm. finding food for a while. I had the time, but I didn't have the money. And so I literally knew I had a little notebook and I knew what these things cost at the different stores. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm here for this and I'm going here for that. 
And, um, you know, at the time that made sense uh, for the lack of money. <laughs> now Absolutely. it wouldn't make it make very much sense for me to drive all the way around to all the different places for a couple of cents difference. But we're at different places in our life at different points. And it's good to be responsive to that, I guess. Yeah, so absolutely. You teach a lot of these things in a program that you have, which is the Grocery Budget Bootcamp. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm really intrigued by that. This is something I wish I had had many years ago when I was trying to learn this, like, please, somebody hold my hand through this. Um, but what is it? And what kind of things do you teach in there? Yeah, well, that's why I created the course. I wanted, <laughs> I was like, where was this when I started? <laughs> So I teach this course uh, every spring and every fall. So we have another class coming up in just a couple months headed into spring. Grocery Budget Bootcamp is essentially the strategic method for eating real food on a budget. And it's a system. So when you are looking to switch from processed food to real food, you're going to go out there. You're going to Google, you're going to go to Pinterest and you're going to be like, how to save money on real food. And you're probably going to see a lot of my articles. <laughs> At least I hope you do. Um, but you're also going to see things like you need to meal plan. You need to cook from scratch. You need to buy in bulk. You need to like do all these things. Right. And so you're going to go. And because you're trying to save money, you don't really want to buy a course. You're like, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to you know, DIY it. You're going to do all these things and you're going to see some success. You will see probably some, some good short-term success. Your meal planning will work for a few weeks until you get tired of doing it. Mm -hmm. Your cooking from scratch will work until you're tired of doing it. <laughs> um, and so where my course comes in is the very first thing we do is we build a foundation. And that 80-20 rule is part of that foundation. It's realizing where is your money currently going and let's make sure it's going to the things you're eating most often. I like to use the example of chicken and mustard. If you eat a lot of chicken, you're going to want the quality of your chicken to be good. Now, whether you choose conventional or you choose organic or you choose pastured is 100% up to you and based on your budget. Because to be honest, when you don't have, when you have a teeny tiny little budget, there's going to be a lot of things you just simply can't afford. And that's not... Um, like that's not a personal thing. That is a, that is a, a money thing. It is like a black and white thing. You, you can't buy a Lamborghini on a Prius budget. It just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So we build a foundation. We talk about the 80, 20 rule. We build a budget that works for you. We take into consideration where you live, if you're rural or if you are not, or if you are in a big city, those play a role. If you have food allergies, that plays a role. Um, the size of your family plays a role. If you have a family of two, your budget's going to be smaller than if you have a family of 12. That's, again, that's like a, that's like a number thing. You, you, you can't change that. Um, so we talk about all that. We have the foundation. Um, and we also establish, this one's important, your priorities. What type of quality of food do you want to buy? And then making sure you understand what that quality means. I think a lot of consumers think that certain labeling means food is better. I love using the example of eggs because um, you're a homesteader. I'm sure you've got some chickens. We've got some chickens too. And they're like right out my window, just blown around. That is called a free range chicken. It is 
out on the range and they're free to do whatever they want to do. But when you buy a free range chicken eggs at the grocery store, it is not that much of a difference than the typical grocery store conventional egg. They're still in a, in a closed space. They have a teeny tiny little door, um, but odds are they've never actually seen daylight. And so it's really important to me that my um, students understand the why behind what they're doing because saving money is 50% doing and 50% mental. And that includes the education. So we build a foundation and then we segue into those hard skills, meal planning, food waste, cooking from scratch. But we're also taking, looking at that from the point of view of what actually matters. If you are um, allergic to wheat and grains don't sit well in your belly, then baking bread from scratch doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So why would you do that, right? Maybe you host company and you're going to make a loaf of, you'd like to have a loaf of bread on the table for them. It is worth every penny to go to the store and buy that loaf of bread. than it is for you to buy the ingredients and spend the time learning how to make one loaf that may or may not turn out, to be honest with you, because bread making is a skill. Um, and then to have those ingredients sit and possibly go bad because you don't consume them on a regular basis. So we really talk about what you eat, what should you be making from scratch, and then keeping in mind um, time it takes to make that from scratch. And the money aspect of is it actually cheaper to make it from scratch or not? Um, I learned the hard way that it is not cheaper to make ketchup from scratch. You need a whole lot of tomatoes and you need some time. And, um, and I had a local grocery store that had bottles of organic ketchup on sale for a dollar. And I was like, you know what? We're done. We're going to buy ketchup. So it's things like that. What is worth buying? What is not worth? um, I'm sorry. What's worth buying cooking from scratch versus what's not And then we come to the tail end of the course. We start wrapping it up. But before we do, we talk about organization. And I feel like this is a lost skill when it comes to eating real food on a budget. Being organized in your fridge, in your freezer, in your pantry can make the world of a difference in your budget. And I'm not talking about there's there's a lovely company out there who has amazing beautiful labels and they're all color coded. And I'm not saying you have to go to that extreme, but I am saying you should be able to open your pantry and not be embarrassed. If your company is over, you should be able to open your deep freeze and say, I know where the ground beef is. And I've probably got three to four packages of it. It doesn't have to be exact, but we need to be organized. And how that plays a role is when you're at the grocery store, you are tempted all the time to, to buy all the things. Oh, I should get more peanut butter just in case, you know, my family really loves peanut butter. We're probably low on, um, I don't know, organic flour. We're probably low on, on this item and you're going to put it in your cart just in case. And then you're going to come home and be like, Oh my gosh, I already had 10 of these. And now I have 11. So being organized helps us to not buy the things we really don't need to buy as well as use up the things we need to use up. We like going back to the fridge, right? Things are hiding in the back. They hide in the back of the freezer and the pantry as well. You'll find a half box of random, you know, crackers that are not tasting very good because you open them up, you took a serving and now they're stale. 
but we need, we still need to find a way to use it up. And then the last lesson is taking all this, everything you've learned and creating it into a system that you can follow week after week. So it always starts with, you know, step one is this step two, step three, and then back to step one, step two, step three. And the more you do it, the more you save that snowballs and, the next thing you know, you have this huge slush fund that came from your grocery budget and your, your family's telling you, mom, dinner was amazing. And your husband's like, I feel like I'm eating like a king. And you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm you're, you feel like you're proud of yourself. You've done something good sure. because there's that mountain of how in the world do I eat real food on a budget? You're like, I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it. I just love how practical that sounds because <laughs> like, I know for me, I'll sit down and I'll design like, okay, I've got to get organized. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And yeah, I spend a lot of time on Pinterest or on Google or somewhere like that. And I come up with this plan that, you know, would be Pinterest worthy itself. Like, oh, it's this beautiful plan. But when it comes to actually implementing it, it's not practical. Yeah, it doesn't actually work. And so we have to get out of that, like the ideal and make it what actually happens when you're doing real life and you have to live with this plan mm-hmm. need to make it successful there. So that is super exciting. You guys, if you are at all interested, make sure you check out the program as soon as it opens up um, and we'll put a link below to information about when that'll be. Um But check it out. And if you haven't been over to Don't Waste the Crumbs, it's at don'twastethecrumbs.com. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Yep. You can go jump over there. And Tiffany has so many amazing resources, great articles, all sorts of great things for you. So make sure you go and check that out. Thank you so much for coming on and for uh, hanging out with us and having this discussion. I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. I hope so. All right. We will see you guys soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.